1: The Athletic. Before we get started today, listeners, I'm going to take a punt and say that it's likely that some of you are gentlemen of a certain age and you've spent slash wasted several hours of your life playing football manager down the years. But if you wanted to get better at the game, you can join our very own Ian McIntosh, author of the world-famous Football Manager Stole My Life, on Tuesday the 25th of May for the Ultimate Football Manager Masterclass. Sports Interactive's Tom Davidson will deliver a top-level briefing on the secrets of FM21, and then former Rangers Aston Villa and Birmingham manager Alec McLeish will pass on some real-life lessons from his nearly 25 years in real-life management. There are top prizes to be won too, including the opportunity to take on McLeish in a live-streamed winner-takes-all game of FM21. The event is all online, and you can get your ticket for only £7 right now over at link.dice.fm/slash masterclass. That's really catchy. So we'll do it one more time. link.dice.fm slash masterclass. Hello
2: and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, the Ibrox Invincibles. Adios, Aki's, And bugger me, it's Kelly Dundee. I'm Andrew Slavin, alongside me, senior producer at Motherwell, and sometimes appears on Sports Scene, it's Laura Brannan. Hello, Laura.
3: Hello.
2: <laughs>
3: it's like my cameo appearance.
2: Yeah, shot. everyone deserves their five seconds of fame, and you nailed it. Uh, also joining us, uh, you can hear him sometimes now on TIFO Podcast, which is a bit of a relegation, let's say, from this one. Hello, JJ Bull.
4: Hello. Would you like to hear the Starlight Zone from Sonic 1? No.
2: We're going to be joined by Ebb's defender, Paul Hamlin, ahead of the <laughs> Scottish Cup final. Um, but Laura, the season is over for Motherwell. Um,
3: Yay, finally. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it doesn't end for you because you need to come up with like swanky new ideas for next season.
3: No, we've got another two weeks before we can finish up for what we call the end of our season. It's a bit like um, you know, when you finish up from school, you don't realise the teachers actually have a lot of work still to do while you're getting to... Run off and play with your friends. It's a bit like that. We've got a lot of kind of behind the scenes stuff to do in the media department, just sort of rounding up projects and end of season edits, and then prepping for the new year. And plus, because when the boys come back, it's going to be during the Euros. And um, I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to do a lot of work around that time. I'm going to be off watching a lot of the games, so pub, I'm going to try and pub, pub. get a, exactly. I'm going to try and get a head start for that, so I don't have to do a lot of it mid June.
2: Yeah, we're going to be talking about Steve Clark uh, and the Scotland squad he's going to pick for the Euros. But first. The final Premiership at weekend of the season, half of the games finished goalless, but the other half brought drama and some entertainment.
5: So let's start with the champions. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power.
1: The journey is finally complete.
2: From the bottom to the top, Rangers are
1: champions of Scotland.
2: Stephen Gerrard's Rangers recorded an entire league campaign unbeaten while also breaking the 100-point barrier as they fired four past Aberdeen on Saturday. It's their first unbeaten top division season since 1898-99. Staggering. Yeah, I don't even remember that one. (laughs)
4: Laura, do you?
3: Uh, Just. I'm older than you think.
4: (laughs) You're 200 years old. (laughs)
3: About a wise old lady.
2: (laughs) It's a new record, folks, uh, in Scottish football. Twenty six clean sheets in thirty eight games. I mean Geez, imagine what the fans would have done if it was twenty seven, (laughs) eh? Oh god. Are we gonna start there? Are we, JJ? Are you gonna bring up the fan fiasco in Glasgow? The minority of fans
4: who ruined it for everyone, non football fans and football fans alike in Glasgow. It's probably not worth talking spending too much time on. It's very complicated. Other well, is it is it complicated? No, I don't
2: think it is. It's really not. Yeah, I agree.
3: But but in saying that, can we just separate what happened on Friday night with the pyro display down at the Clyde? Because Fair point,
2: actually, Laura. Yeah.
3: That was completely lawful. Um, and Looked cool. It looked amazing. I, I tweeted saying it looked at kind of Eastern European levels. This is the sort of stuff that I've seen when I've been working like in Croatia, covering ultra groups and stuff like that. The fact that it was so well planned out, I don't even think anyone really knew about it. I, I One of our players actually lives in the flats just above the Clyde, and he was saying that it was just his, his living room just lit up red. All of a sudden he looked outside and it was just going on, and like they didn't really, I don't think anyone had caught wind of it in the build up to it. And it was all socially distanced as well, so no one can have a go at them. That's true. Um, it was all safe, and yeah, what a spectacle. The photos were incredible. So, yeah, really, really impressed by that.
2: It it reminded me very much of the Battle of Winterfell in Game of Thrones when the Red Witch has to light all these swords and it all goes up on fire. It's really, really, really sexy. It's a good comparison. I suppose the actual celebrations
4: by the rest of the people in Glasgow City Centre was like the Red Wedding. Absolutely. <laughs> you can't re- you can't suggest that any of yeah. them are the Dothraki. And by the way, the behaviour of some of those was absolutely disgraceful, and uh, Rangers have really come out and called out the small minority of fans or whatever they want to call them, who've gone out kicking the hell out of each other because they've... Won the league awful awful people I
3: am actually I was I was going through City Centre Glasgow on Saturday because I was going to Central Station and the way I I walked I passed by George Square and it was quite early on it was kind of just after the games had not long finished so they they were just newly arrived at George Square and to be honest the atmosphere it was it was happy Um, everyone was in good spirits The, the police weren't challenging they were they were talking to people but they weren't being aggressive but I said, as I walked past, I was texting one of my friends and I said, this, this will turn. Because you could sense Mm. that everyone was so drunk that you knew that. It's one of these things that it takes the smallest thing to just spark people when they're that drunk. Yeah. And it was not a surprise to hear hours later that it had
2: not to mention the whole point that the club told fans not to to gather in large numbers in, in well, I mean, that's so- selfish but. in this place. I understand people want to celebrate. It's
4: selfish breaking. It's people who haven't gone to funerals because they're not allowed to, and these people have just gone out and been all hanging out together. I get it, right? I get the idea they want to celebrate. Um, it's a huge achievement. They I mean, Talk about all the clean sheets and whatever and how many points and games they've won. But it's you just can't do it, and I mean, there's also parts of there's groups going around singing the sectarian stuff again. Like this is not every Rangers fan. Mm. Like I know a lot of really nice ones. So, like (laughs) you know, I'm not saying for a second it's all Rangers fans, but. Come to on, me, it's,
3: it's just the violence for me. I just I do not get it. When you're out celebrating yeah. something and you're, you're with like-minded people, no one's there challenging you, you're all Rangers fans together, you all support the same club, how does something like that spark off? Who is aggravating you that much? <laughs>
2: They're not there representing the club, but they, they have ended up dragging the club that they support through the mud. Um And let's just focus on the fact that, you know, Rangers season has been so, so good Unbelievable records this season They maintain like 100% home record In the Premiership The first team to do it In like almost 20 years And they're 25 points Clear of Celtic That That just sums up Their dominance What the hell is Joe Lewis doing For that first goal? Yeah good question JJ I,
4: I have watched it several times I have no idea
2: What he's doing do you want to retract your uh, suggestion that Scotland should nationalise Joe Lewis? No, I love Joe Lewis. He was <laughs> like rushed back from
4: injury because Gary Woods is injured, so he couldn't play, so there's no keepers basically. Yeah. So Lewis had to play. But um, the way that ball goes in, it, we haven't seen it. It's like a cross on the right. It's like a shot. I can't think, don't even know what it is. It's and a cross. Uh, it's a Lewis cross. dives out the way, but puts the ball in his own net behind him. It's like when the. It looks like a FIFA glitch. It looks like a glitch from a video game. Don't yeah, absolutely. i to
2: describe it otherwise. Let's let's talk about some of the individual performances from Rangers as well because Tavernier, who crossed that ball in, JJ, um, he was awarded uh, the PFA Player of the Year. Stephen Davis has been awarded the Football Writers Player of the Year. But one person I think that deserves a lot of praise is is Connor Goldson. I mean, this is a guy who four years ago had heart surgery at Brighton and was told he might not play football again. He comes to Scotland and within three years... You know, he's he's lifting the Premiership title It's crazy that the numbers that Rangers have have already stated 26 clean sheets, which is a record 13 goals conceded in a, in a league season is a record I mean, he has to be awarded at least Rangers Player of the Year Would you not agree? Uh,
4: I th- well, I think, yeah I mean, Stephen Davis is really important for me I think if Jack had been fit all season long It would probably been him But Stephen Davis is amazing Yeah, G- Golden, phenomenal uh, Pine Bovril put it out in Twitter he was the only player this season to play every minute of all 38 Premiership games. Mm-hmm. Quite a good defender. Like he's just exactly what they needed. A real leader. He's part of the whole
2: Gerard culture shift that they put in there. He's just been very, very good really, isn't he? He has. It's quite staggering. I, I know I said twenty five points clear of Celtic. It kind of begs the question that Rangers will be massive favourites for the title next season, Laura. When you consider the rebuild that Celtic have on their hands.
3: I'm not entirely sure that's fair to say they go into his favourites. I think we have to wait and see what happens in the summer for Celtic first. I think so much change is ahead for Celtic. I think it would be wrong to just completely write them off this early on. You look back at when Martin O'Neill came in, um, he completely changed and rebuilt Celtic at that time. Um, It was probably the last time there was such a big turnaround actually in terms of personnel and and football style, the club as a whole really. Um, And look at the success that he had uh, when he came in and not just the, the, the season he came in, the season, the season he came in they won the treble and went mm-hmm. on to have success afterwards for years to come and, and have some of the club's legends signed that season um, so I just feel like right now when we don't know who the manager is, uh, we don't know who the captain is, and we don't know how a lot of the players are going to be um, and a new chief exec coming in to, to reshape the business behind the scenes I think it's too early to write Celtic off but yes, you're right in saying that Rangers will definitely go in strong um, and it could well be one of the closest seasons we've had in a long, long time and I don't think anyone's really going to complain about that because it's going to be great for the game.
2: You would hope it would be close, JJ, but if Rangers keep the majority of their team, they may lose maybe one of their big stars. But if they, if they do and they get some money and then they recruit like they have done in previous seasons, what do you think Rangers' chances would be?
4: Well, I mean, you're already just narrowing it down to Rangers and Celtic. When clearly there's going to be a third challenger in the mix, based on what we saw in this game. Did you know that Aberdeen won the XG in this game? They lost four <laughs> nil, <laughs> but they were they were technically the better side, isn't that weird?
2: Technically, but also was zero cutting edge.
4: <laughs> well, this is it. I mean, it's you know the way XG works. I mean, it's not an exact science, but Rangers were really clinical. The first goal was a mental fifa glitch and you had a uh, roof score from outside of the box with a couple of really nice finishes like really really good finishes that i think lewis probably do better in i think he's a bit mm. slow to move his feet to get across he's shown too much the to goal in on one of them uh, that happens but yeah a lot of aberdeen fans are moaning about stephen glass already <laughs> <laughs>
3: there's no pleasing Aberdeen fans oh
4: man <laughs> I think they'll, they'll see like there are clear clear signs of progress there already a lot of the players can't do what he wants to do it's positional play he's trying to introduce if you're not familiar with positional play it's sort of the kind of Dutch model where you've split the pitch into about five different areas maybe six and you have half spaces wide space and the central space and it d- depends on players being in set positions but rotating all the time so, you're not passing to uh, McKenzie at left back or McGee at centre midfielder. You're just passing to centre mid or left back because you know people will be in that position when you want to move the ball forward. And they pressed well here. I thought they created way more chances than I've seen Aberdeen create against Rangers in, in years. I mean, Rangers basically won it. So, that they had the motivation to still go out and win 4 0 is a fair play to them. Uh, but, I mean, you saw Hornby missed a open goal, just missed yeah. the ball. Ferguson hit the, po- hit the bar. From about three hours
2: out. That was worse, I would say. Yeah, I think both were
4: equally bad. But yeah, yeah it happens. Uh, Scott Brown's just gone to Aberdeen. So he says he's he uh, pretty much left on Sunday morning <laughs> yeah. uh, and went straight to, um, had a night out in the town on Saturday. <laughs> 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 uh, went into Aberdeen on the Sunday morning uh, and says, there's a really good quote I quite like about this. He says, I um, <laughs>
2: uh, think another one. Uh,
4: yeah. He says, basically, he's explaining what he's doing, what he's, how he's you know, working on, um, budgets and recruitment and learning how to manage, it's not just be a coach, you learn the, the back room stuff of it. And he says, I know a lot of the players. Some of the players are fantastic. And they've got <laughs> that winning mentality, especially when I played against them. I don't think they've won many times against Scott Brown's Celtic. I would think people like Lewis Ferguson
2: is what he means. I think it's got to be a good thing that uh, Aberdeen have brought someone with the calibre of Scott Brown, but he's not the only captain that's going... Declan Gallagher is on
4: his way as well, yeah. We talked about this last week, though. I don't think we need to dwell on it too much. We made Laura sad with it then. Jamie <laughs> <laughs> um, make even
3: we'll... sadder, come on.
4: Exactly. Now but like you talk about Celtic needing a rebuild, and Michelle come on to them as well. Like Rangers built from the, the ground up, and they've built this team that's unbeaten in the league. It's a phenomenal achievement. Celtic need to rebuild now Clearly they're in a bit of trouble I, th- I think Rangers are quite further ahead I don't know if I agree with you Laurie I think Celtic are, need a bit of work to do Have I also said something well, in the league this year What the hell do I know Aberdeen in the same position True. Need a proper rebuild A lot of players has got let go People like Ash Taylor have gone uh, You've got Anderson come back in Devlin's got a new contract There's a few things that um, Are changing over the summer They've got a lot of recruitment to get right And uh, we'll see how many of the ones Who are fantastic According to Scott Brown Survive the cut <laughs>
2: yeah uh, well we we round that section up by saying congratulations to rangers what a monumental season it was for them aberdeen they finished fourth i think jj so not a terrible season on paper but the football hasn't been great but up next we're going to talk about the staggies who are staying up
0: Uh, Harry, is there any truth in the rumours that you're off to Spain in the summer? Uh, 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 sorry, me, uh, me no hablo inglés. <laughs> what about one of the Manchester clubs? Uh, well, you know it's. Uh... Well, Harry, what about my source? Who says you're keen to stay at Spurs? <laughs> uh, can we keep the questions sensible, please? Kane's future at Spurs remains uncertain, but you're guaranteed to get money back as a free bet if one leg of your four-fold hacker lets you down. Paddy Power. Max free bet £10. Min odds one to five on each leg. Online exclusive. exclude shop bets and enhanced match odds. t 18 plus.
5: On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven.
1: That's Jordan White pinching it off lawless, and he set Gardine away! And Michael Gardine scores the goal that might just keep Ross County in the top division. Ross
2: County had to avoid and defeat to avoid the relegation playoff and they went one better they came from behind at Motherwell to win 2-1 on Sunday Michael Gardine with the winner Laura after a glorious goal from Ian Vigers to level the scores not the way you would have hoped to have ended it Laura because obviously as well it was Alan Campbell's final game and he never got one
3: (laughs) yeah it is quite sad actually Alan Campbell's been at Motherwell since the, the day he was born he is multiple through and through. And, um, Born he under is... the pool table, yeah? <laughs> um he's, he's given so much to the club and he is, I, I'm sure I've said it a million times before, but he is the most dedicated individual footballer I've ever met in terms of his passion, his desire, his, his drive uh, to be a success. He is like no other footballer I've ever met. He is so focused. He's in the gym. First thing in the morning, he does double everyone else. He is the most headstrong person and sensible footballer ever. Um, And he has given Motherwell a lot over the years and the fans absolutely adore him. So to see him limp off after I think it was six minutes? It was a very short time into the Dundee United game last week, -week, midweek. And not actually get his final farewell because it was really disappointing because we were hoping that he'd iced whatever the problem was we were hoping that he'd ice it enough um, to get over in time for Sunday's game I think had it been a week between the games had it happened Saturday to Saturday he would have made it I think it was just a wee bit too quick Turnaround for him, and it's just really disappointing because although there was no fans in the ground, it would still be nice for him personally to have had his final moment. Um, the fans did make up a banner for him; we hung up on the scaffolding um, over the stand that's getting redone just now. So that was a nice touch, um, but still, just a shame. Just a shame we never got his kind of final, final farewell. So it's sad yeah. to see him go.
2: Yeah, a bad end for Motherwell. Um, but where's it, he going? It was it was.
3: <laughs> <laughs> My lips are sealed. <laughs> so the oh, rumor so he is. Be, so he is
4: going
2: somewhere. Well,
4: the oh, rumor okay. would be that Aberdeen would be highly after him, but I think he'd be quite expensive. And I've heard that he wants to go to England. That's what I've heard.
3: I personally think um, I would like to see him go to England. I, I feel like if he stayed in Scottish football, I don't think it would push him on to the right level that he he has the potential to push on to. I think if he stays in Scottish football. Um, Yes, he will, um, and I know we can touch this with Declan Gallagher last week going to Aberdeen. Yes, it is a, it's um, more money and it's arguably a, a bigger club in Scotland. But at the same time, is it really going to help his, his progression? Is it going to help push him into the Scotland team when he plays in a similar position to some of our best players? Yeah, I, I feel like going to England would really kind of push him to a new level. And he's, he's more than capable of it.
4: He could definitely put championship level just now. I think Celtic would even be interested in him, I would have thought, because yeah, I really like him
2: as well. Hmm. we have to say it's ross county's day though everyone um it's it's an amazing it's amazing that you know this is another reason why we we enjoy the split because it just creates far more competitive football and it turns around people's fortunes like when ross county go and win three of their final three games and they end up avoiding the the playoffs uh which will be called duty to do but we have to praise the job that Yogi's done. John John Hughes coming in. Difficult job uh, to turn things around there. Um, but I think we kind of thought he would do the right job, Laura.
3: Yeah, I think I think you know what you're getting with Yogi in terms of at least like his personality and his character. We know that how passionate he is. We know he would have that passion drilled into the players, and they would understand exactly what the club was and the the cause is all about in terms of fighting relegation. He's so open and honest about the work he does. Um, so I, I remember a few weeks ago, he was. I think it may be when they played Celtic. He said in an interview pre-match, um, "Watch out because we're, we're going to score a score for a set piece today because we've been working on free kicks." And it's just, I love that kind of open honesty about it and most managers would be so secretive about what they're doing in training and the build-up to a game. I don't think they did score for a free kick, but still, I liked his optimism in the build-up to it. Um, yeah, he's done a great job and, and absolutely fair play to him because um, the last I don't know how many games it has been, but at least yesterday, at least in Sunday's game, he was in the stand. Um, and I know at, at Ross County the stand's very small and when you're sent to the stand, you're technically sent to right behind the dugout. So you're, you're only like a row behind where you'd normally sit. Um, <laughs> it's very different at Far Park. He was very high up and, and far away from his team. So f- absolutely fair play. It's such a big game. Biggest game of the season when it comes down to it. Um, and he managed to still lead his team from, from very high up. Um have got a as well. It's of course you do. But so you can see the whole thing, yeah. Yeah, but I dare say the manager wants to be the one On the touchline Screaming the instructions And not have Mm. to Pass them through A mouthpiece or whatever
4: You can tell me this Because you've been in the games Can you not Surely you can just Shout from the top of the
3: (laughs) Is he allowed to shout? Just like any normal person would do Yeah I don't know If you're allowed to I don't know what the rules are there I mean you could Definitely shout You could definitely be heard (laughs) Um, I, I mean I dare say The players would Um pretend they didn't hear you because they'd be like, whoa, well, I, I, <laughs> I didn't. You I, talking, talking to you. Um, I, I think that's why um, players have not enjoyed having um, playing in front of empty stadiums this year because especially the ones on the wing have absolutely no excuse for not um, hearing the manager's and the coaches' instructions. So yeah, I dare say if it's coming from the back of the stand, they'll use that excuse, but you could definitely be heard.
4: Um, so before we move on, I've got to say that Ian Weiger's goal is one of the goals of the season. It was, oh, it's beautiful. It was amazing. So nice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, really,
2: really good. Um, Can't believe we're actually going to say this, though, now. Um, Hamilton didn't finish 10th. They finished bottom and they're relegated after seven years um, in the top flight. First the pandemic,
4: Andrew, and now this.
2: (laughs) I mean, I do wonder if the SPFL should just retire 10th. No, like how they do with shirts. (laughs) Just retire, tenth place. Just let it always be Hamilton. God bless him. Um, why did it? Why did it finally come to this, JJ? Um, I think they just made too many mistakes during the season. Their team is really young. Uh,
4: I, I like what Brian Rice has done with him. I think he's a. I think he's a really good coach. You know, he's got relegated, but I really like what he's done with Hamilton and getting that group of players together. And they would just often start games really badly. They'd be better in the second half sometimes. Didn't do anything wrong tactically. I think he picked. ...decent teams doing weird with his players that he selected, just didn't have as good players as other teams... ...he refused to sit back and do that horrible kind of Martin Canning 5-4-1 all the time and defend and block and counter... Try to play some nice football, got some good wins over some big teams as well, got some decent results along the way... ...which mm. is not enough for them, but I really think it's just down to the youth and inexperience... Like ...how good Ross Callaghan has been, it's not just down to Ross Callaghan, it'll be the system built around him to play... Mm. And you think of all the youngsters come through at Hamilton this season, can't think of any names off my head right now. You've got Lewis Smith, I think, is one. Lewis, Lewis Hamilton, Smith, who, well, games, he, yeah. he
2: came through last season and, and was actually probably the most positive player um, at the weekend. They, they In fact, they played seven academy graduates uh, against Kilmarnock. Um But, I mean, I know Mitch Pinnock got two uh, and it was a good win for Kilmarnock. They couldn't, it wasn't enough for them, really, um, after Ross County's result. But they now play Dundee. Um, because they, Dundee beat Wraith Rovers 3-1 on aggregate. Um, not as close as it sounded, because Dundee won the first leg like, 3-0. Uh, but that'll be really interesting. I, 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 there was a fear that this game wasn't going to get televised, and I think it is going to be televised now, because there's such great games to watch, the tension and whatnot. But we've got Kyle Lafferty against Charlie Adam-Laura.
3: Yeah, just what you were saying there about showing the game—it's incredible. We're actually saying that there was a moment we thought we weren't going to get to see the Premiership playoff final. That's I know. so bad, isn't it? I mean, we we didn't get to see the relegation battle on TV, despite there being available slots. Um, so yeah, very. Um, it's the right thing, though. Obviously, we're getting it's to, such to a to bad TV deal, isn't it? Imagine it's, them. It's, <laughs> <Sure. yeah.
4: laughs> the numbers must be so low they don't want to show it's, it. That must be what it is. It's, but come
3: on, yes. Yeah, I mean oh yeah don't, don't, do, don't get me started on it. but yes Kyle uh, after against Charlie I don't great um, no it's it's um it's almost like a blast in the past that that meeting of um, the oldies up against each other.
2: Talk about blast in the past the, the very first promotion playoff uh, final, let's say was Hamilton against Hibbs and Jason Cummings, who plays for Dundee missed the crucial penalty oh. for Hibbs. Which meant that Hamilton were promoted to the Premiership, so Jason Cummings has the chance to kind of rectify the wrongs. Let's say, um, bear in mind as well if we look back, like this is why the the, the introduction of the playoffs was so good. And um, you know, yeah, they're two-legged games. But it went to penalties. Hibs were 2 0 up in the first leg. And then the second leg, Hamilton equalised like the down, down seconds. And it, it went down to Jason Cummins.
3: That's incredible. No, I absolutely love the playoffs. I feel like it's something where I can always remember where I am at the moment when I, I'm watching the playoffs. actually I, I, That Hibs and Hamilton one, I remember I was at Radio 1's big weekend in Glasgow. And I was in Wah-wah. the back of <laughs> I was at the back of the tent, and my mom was phoning me to let me hear the. Uh, Cause she had the. She was watching it, and she was like, "Listen to the commentary." <laughs> I wanted to see what was <laughs> happening during the penalties. <laughs> I remember watching the um, the St Mirren Dundee United playoff final as well. I was in an airport in Tel Aviv. And uh, I was trying to—I was going on the plane at a time when the penalties were getting taken. And I was like, "Don't want to, don't want to board yet. I'll let everyone go on first I <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely love the playoffs. I—I am not too keen on the structure of it because I think it's very, very heavily weighted towards the Premiership side. I think a lot of people have said that that's not very fair over the years. But in saying that, it does not stop the drama, um, and it does not always mean that the Premiership side is going to. Um, triumph. I think this yeah. one, especially, I I can't call it. I, I don't think like we can call between Comanik and Dundee. I guess we're a really good game.
2: Yeah. Let's, let's remember Kilmarnock finished third two seasons ago and now they're going to be in this situation uh, Hamilton are down that's you know seven years they've been up here and Brian Rice his job next season will be to get them back because he signed a contract um, just before the end of the season so if any Hamilton fans were not happy about some team selections uh, you've maybe got another season to go up next let's look ahead to the Scottish Cup final with Paul Hanlons going to join us
5: On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, smart speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven.
1: It's
2: Hibbs versus St Johnstone in the Scottish Cup final this Saturday. Hibbs hoping to repeat their hand-in heroics of five years ago, and delighted to say we're joined now by a man who knows all about that day. It's defender Paul Hanlon. Paul, great to speak to you. How is everything, and how excited are you ahead of the final?
6: Ah, great, all good. Um, obviously, started the started our week today in terms of preparation stuff, and it's all gone well so far. Obviously, try to kind of contain the excitement at this early stage uh, as much as possible but no you can can feel it building up quite nicely.
2: And you rested a a few players at the weekend as well and they're all fit and ready to go seems to be a good decision from Jack Ross and it was a good a good game really to be fair and a a draw was maybe a fair result.
6: Yeah exactly Um, it probably did, did work out perfectly for us everyone's kind of came through the game well that the boys that needed minutes um, so that's a really all up to speed now um, and the guys that have played the majority of the games this season have um, I've had a, a rest in their legs going into the final so aye, that worked out perfectly from like a physical point of view for for the squad Um, and then on top of that we've got, we've got a good result against Celtic as well all in all just ideal preparation going into the weekend
4: On the final this will be is it the Hibs' fourth game of the season at an empty Hamden do you do you find it makes any difference to like the nerves you feel for a huge game like a final without the fans? That does, when they're fans there's it make you more confident, or do you think it does anything to you?
6: I think going maybe the build-up going into the game, so maybe like the, the day before and things like that year, the nerves are are, are there yeah. um as they would be normally, but there's no doubt there's a difference when you turn up to Hamden and it's probably more the warm-up, I'd say, when you go out normally like in the at hand and there's it's such a big stadium and the, the days when it's been full then you're going out to quite a few thousand people just for the warm up so that really gets you kind of the nerves going the excitement going um and then obviously when the match properly starts then you're you're kind of fully concentrated and you're not taking a lot of it in but um I, I'd probably say the warm up in terms of the big the big big games at hand and where um that's kind of full house that, that's the kind of moment you really realize that there's there's something missing from the from the stadium.
3: How did it feel last week when you were hearing on one day, it was, uh, right, you're getting fans in, um, you're getting only, well, 300 each per team, and then, what was it, 24 hours later, you're hearing, no, no fans after all. I mean, what was the kind of range of emotions there?
6: Yeah, it was. It was, it was difficult because, obviously, first and foremost for our fans um, that have been at home all season, a lot of whom have paid a lot of money for season tickets and not managed to go to a match, um, what what they've sacrificed is incredible and it was kinda of a glimmer of hope for these guys that, that thought that were, maybe we weren't going to see a, a game all season and, and obviously what a game it is to, to get back in the, for as well. So I ah, devastated for them and then obviously personally for me, like I've got two young boys as well that I'm, I'm desperate to obviously get to a game. Like um my youngest boy was he was born in the like the first main lockdown. So he's never been to a match and my oldest he's kinda of getting to the stage now where he'd understand. So I for me personally, it would be amazing to have my family there. Um, and and obviously, if it goes our way on the day, then celebrate it with them. But listen, it's, it's not to be. It's as it is now, and we've we've dealt with it all season. So it's just about getting over that last hurdle. And however the fans celebrate a, a win, then they'll they'll do it in their own ways. But it's it's just the way it's got to be just now.
4: In in terms of who you're playing on on Saturday. How do you prepare to play against St. Johnston? what's what's training like? Is there any particular battles you have to prepare for uh, individually or other bits you got to look out for on the pitch with your teammates?
6: I think we've, we've kind of not really got into like the sort of tactical stuff yet. Um also there's a, on a Monday it's kind of recovery based stuff for the boys that have played and then the boys that didn't play at the weekend will do a bit more so it's there's not a lot you can do in terms of tactics but that'll that'll definitely ramp up um, from now and, and to be fair the gaffer is great he, he, he always puts kind of a clear message to us uh, how he thinks we're, we're going to beat any opposition um, and we'll work on it and he'll, he'll make it crystal clear for us and I'm sure he'll have a plan in place that we'll we'll start working on but at the end of the day it's, it's a cup final and um, it's it's probably about who turns up on the day to be honest who's that you're better players, or you're you kind of starting to live in, or you also you know, it could be your subs that come on as well, who who can make the difference on the day, and that'll be probably what separates the teams.
2: I know you've you've had disappointment in semi-finals just in the last twelve months, but you overcome or overcame even like a bit of a psychological hurdle when you played Dundee United. Was that different, and and is this different?
6: Yeah, I think obviously there's a lot of pressure on us going into that Dundee United game because everyone was quick to highlight how it'd been beating the previous two semi semi-finals that we'd played in. Um, but I think, from our point of view, we've just got to take kind of as much positives as we can from these situations and at the end of the were, day, we're getting in the final four of these these Cup competitions every single time at the minute and, and we're always there to... You can put yourself in these positions to be shot at if it doesn't go in your, your way, but at the end of the day, you've, you've got to be there to, to get in the positions and to obviously try our best to progress to the final which we've done this time. Um, we're just obviously desperate to to go that one step further and obviously we know how difficult it's going to be um, it's always a difficult mas- match against St Johnston, but we're, we're fully confident that we've got the players in our squad that can make the difference on the day
2: And Weirdly, St Johnston is the only other club you've ever played for um, a one month loan spell 12 years ago.
6: Yeah, no I know it's, it's strange, there's probably not a lot of people that realise that, realize that. Um, it was a time. I think it was. It was a season that St Johnstone got promoted to the the Premiership. Um, Derek McInnes was the manager, and I went on loan originally for a month uh, in January, and I absolutely loved it there. They never had a left back at the time, so I, I played. It was actually quite unlucky as well because within the month we had two games called off because of the weather. Um, so
2: never in Scotland? Uh, nah, no, exactly, way.
6: exactly. So <laughs> that was that was a a bit of nightmare in terms of like. Games that I'd kind of planned for, but then I think so. I was looking like I was on maybe only going to play one or two games, but then Hibs were playing Hearts in the Scottish Cup on. Say, I think it was like the Saturday, and then St Johnstone had drawn Rangers on the Sunday. So I was obviously watching the Edinburgh, Derby, I was still desperate for Hibs to win. But if Hibs didn't win, then I was allowed to play against Rangers the following day. So that got me an extra game, and I it was it was a season where. If if you could put me back in that situation, I was I was desperate to stay at St Johnston. I wanted to stay there for the rest of the season. They were quite probably favourites to to get promoted, and I wanted to be part of that um, just for the experience. But the manager at the time, Mixu Su called me back, and I think I made a couple of, a couple of more appearances for Hibs that season. But um, I was probably a, probably a wee bit of disappointment at the time not to be allowed to to stay for uh, stay for longer.
3: There's not many Hibs players that can say they have won a cup final, a Scottish Cup final. and are now playing in another Scottish Cup final. Does that um does that make you one of the more kind of experienced heads? Do you pass that on to some of the boys that haven't experienced it the same way?
6: Yeah, I think you need to pass it on. I mean, we've got a lot. We've got a lot of young boys that are um, that have broken into the squad um, since since the last time we won it. Um, we've also got a, a few of the experienced lads that have that have been there and done it before. Um, and a lot of the boys that maybe came for down south or, or further afield that I think probably when they look at signing for Hibs they probably stick Hibs into Google and that's one of the first things that come up so aye, everyone's aware of the, the magnitude and how, how big it is and aye, we're just we're just all desperate to kind of bring that success to the club especially for the likes of me and Dave, Daz, Louis uh, and Boyley who were, who were all part of that 2016 team we know what what it was like and, and we're all just desperate to experience it again
4: one more question for next season: Are you pushing for second place?
6: <laughs> uh, I'd say that's a big ask. I mean, <laughs> I think I think the I think the main thing for us is to kind of consolidate what we've got at the minute. Um, I think it was sixteen years, 15, 16 years since the last time Hibs, um finished third. So been a good season. It's a long, long time, and it's a long time, and it's. Um, it's something we, we want to do on a more regular basis, and I think if we can keep doing that for the next um few years, anyway, then kind of the revenue and the, everything else that comes with that, then you can be in a lot stronger position to kind of look higher. But I think I think for a club like um uh, ourselves, kind of Aberdeen and, and teams like that, then you've you've kind of got to try and firstly consolidate that third position in the league, and then and, and try to build from there as the, as the years go on.
2: But before all of that, Paul, you've got European football to look forward to as well.
6: Yeah, exactly. Um we've got obviously secured the European place through um through the league position. But if it, obviously that, that makes the, the cup um even bigger as well, because the obviously the, the placing that you'd get in terms of Europe for winning the cup is, is much better than you do for your league position. So um I really exciting. It, it all adds up to a, a massive game this weekend. Um obviously with a lot at stake in terms of Obviously, the trophy first and foremost, and then obviously the European position as well would be would be massive for us. I think it actually guarantees Europe till uh, till Christmas. I think you drop into the yeah, that'd be right. Exactly. So yeah, it's huge for it. it's huge for everyone involved with the club, especially after the year with COVID and things like that, where there's been a lot of kind of cutbacks and every club's kind of had to be really careful with their money to get that kind of uh, the revenue coming in. Would be, would be incredible for the club.
4: Is it more fun playing in Europe than than domestic?
6: it's different I, I've kind of loved most of my experiences in terms of playing in Europe we have, not so long ago we went and won we won 1-0 away in Bromby and then ended up getting beat on penalties and ah, there's real special moments and it's probably obviously you don't know what's going to happen when it comes around to that but there's moments for the fans as well like these away trips that fans just look, just remember forever Um, so fingers crossed we we get to that stage and um Fans are allowed I'll be back and see them, especially Easter Road, but and then obviously further afield as well if they get the chance.
2: So Hibs warm up with a 0-0 draw against Celtic. I know they've rested a lot of players and it's worked in their favour. The likes of Hanlon, Irvine, Nisbet, Dodge Boyle, um going into this cup final. But there's not much you can really draw from this game, because obviously they're just rotating players and resting them for the final. I
4: don't even know what kind of system you'll play in the final. Hibs have been like really deserving of third place this season. They have been the third best team in the league. Really interested to see what they do over the summer. I know that we still got a Scottish Cup final to come, but interested to see what they do in the summer. Um, and by the way, just if Jack Ross wins the final, does not mean he's something had a great season or has not. Like they've achieved exactly um, the the top things they could possibly have achieved this season. Obviously, they lost, you know, the other the other cup, but. If they, like, reaching the final I think is <laughs> is as good an achievement for a manager as winning it because the, to get there in the first place is really difficult and then it's just your players they have to get you over the line really you can make some tactical changes but it's how the players adapt to the pressure situation and how you prepare them I suppose mm-hmm. so yes, very well done Jack Ross
2: and on to you Laura <laughs> <laughs> the reason I asked you though JJ is just because when they'd lost their third semi-final it was almost as if there was questions on Jack Ross's tenure at the club do you know what I mean like and I know he's reached the final but if they lose the final that question's going to be there again would it not be yeah but I think it's the I mean I. Th- uh... bear in mind they've lost the last three games against St Johnston so to put
4: it this way I don't think Jack Ross is going to get anything tactically wrong for the final the only things he could maybe not do well enough is get certain players prepared in certain ways. Some players will react in different situations. Some need uh, a cuddle. Some need to be have a rocket put inside them from <laughs> vertical-wise <laughs> underneath. Some, uh, yeah, you know, it's they react different ways. So it's how he deals with the player management, the man management, and stuff like that. And then it's down to the players he trusts in that final, the ones that step up to the mark, the ones that are ready to fight for every battle. And win mm-hmm. every jewel is what you need to do. Um, that's what you can do. Uh, to get all the way to the final is achievement itself. Obviously winning it requires something, but I don't think you're a bad manager if you lose a final, unless
2: you do it a lot. So maybe he is bad, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Offier Marciano played his final game for Hibs, in the league anyway, clean sheet for him. 151 games he's had at the club. So let's talk about what happened... Um, it's St Johnston, Hibs Hibbs Cup final opponents. Uh St Johnston their match against Livingston. Absolutely nothing. Zero. Hee Haw McGraw uh happened at McDermott Park on Saturday. Um although it, it did confirm fifth place for Callum Davidson's men. And his first season in charge. Why he didn't get manager of the year, I don't know. Well, I do know. But no.
3: I, I find that's interesting, right? So Callum Davidson didn't win. What was it? They won five of their first twenty-three league games, right? So he struggled a lot at the start of the season, but everyone since went on this this um, hype train of Callum Davidson. Why is he not winning Manager of the Month? It's all because the votes were dropped too early. <laughs> <But>
2: <laughs> it does sound like a South Park song. <laughs>
3: But remember, we we're talking about, um, about Martindale, and we were saying, oh, you know, the run he's on, and if he gets to the cup final, if he lifts the cup or whatever, then he's, he's obviously manager of the month. Levy have only, like, see, the, the run that Levy have done since the end of the season is the same as St Johnson did at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. So, in, in actual retrospect, Davidson and Martindale have had very similar runs in the league, and they've also had very similar runs in the cup. So really the difference is the cup final <laughs> and it's what Davidson has done in the cup finals one he has succeeded in, yes and the other one, not yet so I think it's unfair to be talking so highly of Davidson and suddenly changing our tune completely about David Martindale from what we were talking about a couple of months back
4: It's almost as if football fans are quite fickle and change their mind on the basis of one result go. <laughs> <laughs> we should look into this more
2: Yeah, agreed. Uh, We should also confirm that that means that Saints qualify for the Sexy League. Whoop, whoop. For new
4: listeners, that is the conference, the Europa Conference League, whatever the hell it's called. In case you haven't been on our our hype
2: train. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we should say Uh, if they win the Scottish Cup, it does mean that they qualify for the Europa League playoff round. So that that also means then they would, if they lose the playoff, um, they automatically go into the Sexy League, a.k.a. The Conference League. Um So European football for until the end of December, potentially, which is amazing. I think I saw as well that St. Johnston have qualified for Europe in six of the last 10
3: seasons or so. That's so mental. Like, yeah, I mean... <laughs> What's that?
2: What, what a decade like, St. Johnston fans have Very had. Very jealous. Yeah. But the real story with Saints is the COVID situation.
3: Yeah, this I don't know the ins and outs. So I don't know how much St. Johnston have actually disclosed. But there appears to be a few players who have contracted the coronavirus, um, and as a result of that, a lot of players have had to then isolate as well through the track and trace system. I think there were some sort of um, debate, should I say, uh, between club and government in terms of who who had to isolate and who they could get, get away with having back in the squads. So they were trying to draft in, and oh, definitely another keeper. Um that was before the weekend's game I know that they're kind of worried about the build-up to the cup final As I say, I don't know how many players this, this actually directly impacts But to have this in the build-up to a cup final Is definitely not the ideal preparation um, If you're banned from training and you're not allowed to even keep fit Well, you're keeping fit at home, basically It's, mm. it's definitely not the ideal situation in the build-up When hips are obviously fully functioning as normal
2: it's not only that, Laura, it's the fact that, you know, even just last week, 600 fans were supposed to be attending the game at Hampden. Uh, but on Friday, then the government revealed uh, <laughs> Glasgow is going to be under level three COVID restrictions for another week. So there's going to be no fans at Hamden. That's and there horrible. was even, you know, I, I the game. Aberdeen, JJ Aberdeen even offered uh, for the game to be played at Pataudry, didn't they? Yeah, it was nice of them.
3: Just, just move the game then. Like, you've got an offer on the table. And I know they'll go. Oh, it's too late! It's too late! But you know, just hurry up then. <laughs> I mean, it's you've you've known about this for a few days, and I just switched the plans. It's it's really not that hard to make plans for six hundred people. Yeah, we're not asking for thousands.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure the policing. I mean, the policing is a big issue, right? They need to have that, and then they need to. It's not going to be hard for the media companies to move and set up in their stadium. There's already facilities there
3: sums up this season i I think when we heard it was 600 fans which was a whole 100 more than the government were going to be allowed eh, allowing us by default you're kind of like what's the point it's kind of an embarrassingly low number but then what was it 24 hours later they're like no never mind scrap it we've changed our minds um it just sums up this whole season to a t it really does um you saw the fa cup final the weekend how amazing did that look
2: oh my god it was brilliant
4: no, I was, oh, working, I was working
2: on it. It was oh, it was sensational.
3: The emotions, the emotions of everyone's faces. It just it, it lit up the game. I don't. I really am not interested in English football. I really don't watch it that much, but I was hooked on watching that game purely because you 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 got the vibe from the stands to the pitch. And it football. wasn't.
2: It wasn't just the the. The regular vibe, either it was the it was like an unleashing of emotion, not just because Leicester had won like their first FA Cup, um, in their history, but it was just the it was almost like you could see in the fans' faces a a, a relief, um, of some sort of normality, and that will return yeah. to Scottish football. And it is going to be an amazing occasion when it does.
3: Yeah, I saw quite a few people tweeting saying that they were like, they felt like I want to cry watching this, and I kind of felt like that for like a couple of reasons. I was kind of like, Caught up in the emotion, but also just sort of sad at the same time that we don't have it yet. So cannot wait for this to come back. It yeah. will be an incredible experience when it does. Absolutely. Well,
2: last and very much least, mary <laughs> nil. Dundee United nil. What a lovely Sunday. um St. This fun over... this game. There was like, there's loads of stuff happened. Loads of shots. Well, uh, let's talk about it then, JJ. Let's talk. Terrible
4: about it. finishing.
2: <laughs> um, this was that this was an end of season match wasn't it just like yeah. it was like sometimes when i've played like sunday league and i've had an absolute howler of a night before and i'm just speaking to the right back because i would normally play on the wing um like mate do you fancy just no running for like 10 minutes <laughs> and you're both in agreement because you're both stinking hungover uh but not suggesting that that's exactly what happened in this game
4: no I don't think they were hungover. I thought they were just having a lovely time of football. Lots of, yeah, lots of shots. I think it was there's something like 10 or 12 shots each. That doesn't make sense. One had 10, one had 12. Neither team particularly great. Uh, there was a red card. You like a red card? Definitely a definite red card. He just mistimed his challenge, went hard on his shin. You know, lucky boy, he's okay. He didn't mean it, obviously. It was totally accidental. Mm-hmm. Um, Reckless, wasn't it? Yeah, for sure. Shanklin missed a header that I think uh, a better Shanklin would have scored. Do you know Maybe he was on form and feeling confident?
2: Well, there was lots that happened. It was fun. We we expected a lot more from Lawrence Shanklin this season, did we not? I mean, th- I it's it's certainly been the Kevin Nisbet season with regards to two strikers that came up from the Championship. Um, only eight Premiership goals for Lawrence.
3: <laughs> I yeah, I kind of feel like this shape that United line up in doesn't help Shanklin yeah. this season. They've, it's
4: definitely systematic, isn't it? Like it's, yeah. yeah, they've
3: they've not a lot of width. Um, in the side um, and he is forced to then, as a result of that do a lot of the build-up play I think, I mean, there was, there was a point where I think when we, when Motherwell scored um, the second goal last week against Dundee United, he was actually the last man defending mm. <laughs> uh, he shouldn't be in the box. he should not be the last man um, but I just feel like if he was, if he had someone else providing for him and he wasn't doing the work behind the strikers then he could be the natural goal scorer that we know he can be
2: maybe maybe Shanklin's part of that hype train that you're talking about Laura he's just been on it all season um, St so Mirren though highest finish in 32 years um, Jim Goodwin certainly on his way to your manager of the year when we do our little team of the year JJ you had him as your manager of the year last season maybe he'll oh, be yeah. there again up next though uh, we're going to talk about some fantasy football and we're going to talk about the Scotland squad coming up soon
0: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to slash courtside to learn more.
5: This is the Totally Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network.
2: Time now to hear from our friends Paddy Power, courtesy of producer Charlie. Charlie, it's Premiership Promotion Relegation Playoff time. I know, can you believe it's been two years since we had a Premiership Promotion Relegation Playoff? Ah, oh, nature truly is healing. The last playoff we had was between St Mirren and Dundee United, a classic. Decided on penalties, the Buddies won the shootout 2-0, the lowest scoring shootout in the history of Scottish football. Here's hoping for more of the same slapstick drama this Thursday at Dens Park. Kilmarnock are the favourites with Paddy Power to win the first leg at ten to eleven, with Championship Dundee at five to two. The first legs are usually cagey affairs. In fact, two of the last three playoffs have been nil-nil in the first leg. That looks a good bet at eight to one. Wow. You can find out these odds and more at PaddyPower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. So over 18s only, T's and C's apply, and when the fun stops, stop. Alright then, Laura's favourite time. Steve Clark, Scotland Squad for Euro 2020. Gets announced on Wednesday. 26 players to pick. Who are you sweating over? Who are Sweating over, that's my least favourite football
4: terminology in the entire world Sweat Sweating on sweating Gareth Southgate everywhere. sweats over fitness he's, well, he's literally sweating is he? What's wrong with him? What's wrong with him that he's sweating?
2: There's a disgusting act um, I can't sweat <clears throat> What's your biggest hope Laura?
3: Um, f- I think I think it's got to be David Turnbull I think it would be a travesty if he wasn't to make it. He's winning all the Player of the Year awards, well, Young Player of the Year awards <laughs> whether it's Celtics or the PFA ones, it just seems to be he's um, he's lifting them left, right and centre just now it's a kind of easy haul for him um, and to have him after the season he's had, or even three quarters of the season he's had, considering he didn't get picked for the first quarter of it mm. um, it, it just wouldn't make sense. I just do not, I do not understand the reasoning if, if Steve Clark was coming come out again and say he's one for the future I honestly would be Banging my head off The table <laughs> I don't expect it to happen I fully expect him To be in the squad I am, I would Bet a lot of money on it <laughs> If that was it Came down to it mm-hmm. um, So I'm not overly nervous About it But I I, I do I, I don't want him To kind of Feel in that let down After the season he's had It wouldn't be nice for him
4: That injury to Kenny McLean Might be how he gets in now Though I think Because that's basically The kind of player He's most like I would say In the entire squad So ah.
3: That would argue not so much. Cross like, the box eight could a ten. I definitely more of a ten. I would have Turnbull. In. Turnbull, um, yeah, but you're you're, gonna play, I, I, you're playing John McGinn as a ten. In this
4: like, team. A I eight. did
3: not expect Turnbull to play. Um, I so, saw like you. You're talking about guys like Christie and stuff who are going to be ahead of him regardless. But I would much prefer to have him play further forward. I know a lot of people are talking about Billy Gilmore. Um, and Ryan yeah. Gold seems to be Ryan Gold is. It's like the end thing just now on Twitter. It's like uh, it's hype some train. sort of yeah. It is like some hipster hype train of. Everyone is talking about Ryan Gold like everyone is now suddenly experts in Portuguese football. Um, I is this is a definition of a hype train? I think I, I do not actually think he's going to be in the squad. I will hold my hands up. I have not seen Ryan Gold play this this season, so I'm not going to jump on that hype train. I I thought he was fantastic when he was at Dundee United. Loved watching him play. He's I no doubt progressed a lot since that because that's been quite a few years now. I'll believe people when they say they've, they've seen him and he's good. Great. I just don't think Steve Clark is going to pick him for the Euros.
4: All right, let's go over a little bit of why Ryan Gold might be a good uh, little guy to get in this in this team. He plays in Liga Nos, which is the Premier League in Portugal. He has scored nine goals and has seven assists. Uh, and often wears the captain's armband. is an attacking midfielder. Like a really, we know what he, how he plays. Like he was called a little yeah. messy back in the day when he's at United. So I, I think it's safe to say he has come on a little bit since the days at Dundee United and it was Hibs used that for a while, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, he's on loan. Yeah. He is a really tidy, tidy player. And uh, I get that it sounds like a hype train because you just don't see him, right? Because he's not, he's not around to kinda, to assess him. But uh, yeah, he's really good.
3: <laughs> OK, well, what about Eli Gilmore then?
4: Uh, also really, really good. Uh, he's not played enough to properly know how he'd fit in at that level, but he can play against Manchester City and look like one of the better players on the pitch. So he got taken off at halftime, I think it was against... I can't remember the last game he played. He's taken off at halftime because he's playing alongside Jorginho. who's a very similar kind of player. If you've not seen Billy Gilmore play before, he's basically a lot like Jorginho. He's a six who comes deep to receive, uh, always in the half turn, sprays the pass out. He's got this really lovely technique when he passes it. He sort of stabs the ball and it pushes it to wherever it needs to go his decision-making is excellent. Like He's so young. He's been 19, maybe. His decision-making is what makes him a proper top-tier player. If you can play that level in the Premier League, like I'd say like he's definitely going to be a better player than John Fleck. He's definitely mm-hmm. going to be a better player than Kenny McLean. I love Kenny McLean. He's just a better player than these guys. Maybe not now because he's not got the experience, but how do you get the experience? By playing. And you think Absolutely. Ryan Jack's out the team The player most like Ryan Jack In the Scotland squad that I've seen Probably Callum McGregor I'd say But then it's going to be Billy Gilmore And um, you're saying Turnbull should go in And I I love uh, Turnbull as well I'd like to see him in especially now McLean's out I would love to see Billy Gilmore in there Especially because he's so young He'd learn an awful lot if he's not going to play now But you get him in the training sessions See if it like He might turn out to be some sort of star You never know Like you
2: know, it's a It's a really rare and unique opportunity That we have um, when we have such exciting young talents coming through, to try and get them into this setup and to understand like, these the level of competition um, and, and, and the, the stature that this competition is. We've not been part of a major competition for so bloody long. Let's make sure we've got some serious talent in there that can learn um from these uh spectacles well i think even the more senior players like when you say you're like,
4: any job you're in and some like young upstart comes in at lower level and they're trying to get to where you are it makes you step up your game a bit because yeah, yeah. No matter what, what industry you're in especially i mean i've worked in tv for a bit especially in like where i am now and do I, where with hell my industry is now um this i suppose podcasting <laughs> 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 but basically like so there's a lot of people who are really um I don't know where I'll go with this, but a lot of people who are very precious and they're quite insecure, so they won't help anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, the good people tend to be quite secure, and they tend to help everyone out. I'm not saying that I am good, but I tend to help anyone who will ever ask. Right? I'll always do that. But also, you definitely feel like the kids come up from behind, to the else sound system thing. You feel it. So you need to step up your game. And you'll get senior players, I suspect, in football who'll do the same thing. They'll feel a certain level of responsibility because they're older and have experience that they, they have to impart on the younger players, which mm-hmm. then makes them act a certain way because they're being looked up higher on. So you'll, and when there's competition for places, that's always good. The better, you want the better players in your team because it'll make everyone better. And so, yeah, yeah absolutely.
2: I, that's why I take plays like Turnbull and Gilmore along just now. Yeah, even Kevin Nisbet, So it looks like Ollie McBurney's not going to be playing. He's not going to get, he, I don't think he's going to be travelling. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> and uh, who knows about James Forrest? Maybe he might go. I, I, I thought you were I, going to see McFadden
4: there. <laughs> I, was like, I, mean, oh, <laughs> I no, wish. That was the past. That was the past.
3: It was oh. the past. Yeah. No, I nice. I actually do think James Forrest will be on the flight, uh, on the bus, just on the flight. Uh, just, as a, I, just a surprise coincidence. I, I do think he'll get. I do not agree with it. I do not think he deserves a place over some other players. After do you think season. he doesn't
2: turn up for Scotland?
3: He, yeah, that's and I've said it. I've said it countless times. I think he's a fantastic player. I really do rate him as a footballer, um, as a Celtic player. Uh, I just I'm continuously disappointed when he pulls on a Scotland strip I, I could count on one hand the number of games that I think that he's done well in and I just think coupled with a season where he's been out injured for a lot and not really played a lot of games when he has came back I just feel like he's not he's not done enough in the past in terms of reputation and he's not done enough this season when there's there's other players out there that can do the job we we qualified we, we, we without him
4: <laughs> it, it is, in fairness to him it's not all his fault he's not done that much because he has been injured for all of the season so. <laughs> yeah. I'll give that to him Of but, yeah.
3: course I, I
4: like Forrest I know you don't I, I like him I think it's good to have him Especially positionally From what he can do There's not yeah. many wide right like, quick if, if, he,
3: if he does what he does For Celtic In a Scotland jersey Then fantastic I will not be Complaining one bit But I just have not Seen it enough from him
4: How about when, when He provides the assist For Che Adams Against England To win 2 mm-hmm. Well this is
2: it JJ Regardless of who goes Everybody who does Has to justify That inclusion um, Because they're all Flying the flag For each and every one of us Um so, it is the end of a premiership season and it's the end of the first ever fantasy football Scotland season. Thanks to everyone at um, FFS for giving us more reasons to get bloody annoyed at the weekend's football, um, especially during a blooming pandemic. Cheers, guys. Thanks a lot. But we had our own last day drama between you two and the Totally Scottish Football Show mini-league. The winner was Kieran Canning. Congratulations, Kieran. you) <laughs> Definitely the Rangers of our league. No records because, well, I suppose he's made all the records because it's the first one ever. Uh, but who finished second? Final day drama. JJ, did someone forget to pick their team?
4: Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did you go? I don't know why I'm laughing
2: because I finished below both of you. Hey,
4: Laura may well, very, very well have beaten me anyway by a single point if I hadn't forgotten <laughs> to do my team. I forgot a thing. Oh, I mean,
2: that was class. When I saw it, I was like, a single point. Oh I was God. so pleased it's that like I a got above Laura. Yeah, I was really happy I got above Laura. Like, yes,
4: I've done it. <laughs> and then I just forgot. I was like, I had achieved it already. I achieved it too early. I don't have that winning mentality yet. I need to rebuild, cultivate the winning mentality within my squad, and pay attention to the app and uh, my job. Yeah.
3: Captain Tav has absolutely <laughs> saved my season. I think. What a, saved a lot of people's seasons I yeah <laughs> uh, what a um, genius move from early on to just captain him and leave him with the armband because he wasn't getting that taken off him even when he wasn't playing I was just like I'm just going to keep him on my bench just keep him there just in case in case I forget and then yeah. he's not back in again um, yeah what a player to have in your team I now know how much Stephen Gerrard appreciates him
2: <laughs> well it was Tavernier who got Uh, the most amount of points, 282 of them. That's insane, by the way. The other two two were also Rangers defenders. Conor Goldson, Borna were second and third in level of points. And I think the surprise really was that normally in fantasy football, you would always pick like a striker. Um, but it was all defenders that really kind of racked up all the points in Final, Fa- Final Fantasy. Uh, i
3: twice said see? that. See, <laughs> if you think it's the strikers that get you the points in the fantasy, that's why you're not winning.
2: Well, Odson <laughs> uh he finished off... He was like the most owned player, but only the seventh highest scorer in the game. So this is it, like strikers... Don't do win
4: he just, and he only points. turned up in
2: the last few months as well. Now he's trying to get his move away, and that's definitely
4: what he's doing, isn't it? It's, it's uh, all
3: about it's all about clean sheets and goal scoring defenders. If and you that, that do is both, why. Um, well,
4: <laughs> that's, on that note, I mean, you've got uh, the other highest scorers outside of the uh, Rangers and Celtic. You've got Martin Boyle, who's not a defender. He was the highest scoring player outside of Rangers and Celtic. Then Paul McGinn, who's a defender out of Hibs. He's had a great season. Uh, Tommy Hoban, Joe Lewis, Nando Constein were all Aberdeen players. They had a load of points because they won every game 1-0 or drew 0-0. Nil nil. Uh, Aberdeen yeah. had a lot of clean sheets,
2: in fact. I think Joe Lewis well, was like second in clean sheets. For we keepers. talked about it a lot this season. we I mean, was cancelled yeah. games for most of it. It was horrible to watch.
4: And <laughs> it's all changing. Where does it, it say here? It says uh, uh, Ian Vigers ended the season with the most bookings in the Premiership. He had 17 yellow cards. <laughs> he got seven is that true You got 17 yellow
2: cards that's uh, yeah apparently so
4: how'd you yeah, do, do that it, it? I
2: don't know that's
3: There's like, like one, one every get him on the two podcast. games we should we get him on games. and ask him
2: like why are you so
4: wait
3: that is one every two games
4: don't you get banned yeah. for a certain amount of games every now and again
2: captain's performance
3: sure you have a ban so you miss a certain number of games you can't get one every second game well played wow that's, that's impressive
2: that should get an award um <laughs> The first ever champion of Fantasy Football Scotland Is Christopher Brown <laughs> Well done Christopher Brown Yay! Well done Christopher Brown Finished with 2,431 points That is 500 more than Laura and JJ <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how much more that was of my team But uh, Chris knew it was coming Because that's why he named his team Champos 11 yeah, Well done, Champos 11, well it was Good. Done to well, done, 11. <laughs> we'll see you next season um, We'll see you next Tuesday in fact Because that's us, we're done Next Tuesday is going to be our last podcast of the season Huge weeks coming up We've got the playoffs We've got Edinburgh City v Dumbarton Airdrionians versus Greenock Morton And I mean I think the most exciting really Other than the uh, command at Dundee Will be Kelty Hearts versus Breakin Let's see how that pyramid system works We'll have reaction to all of that, plus the Scottish Cup final. And uh, who will be the 12th team in the Scottish Premiership next season? We don't know yet, but we will speak to you then. All aboard the hype train! Choo-choo!
5: You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at The Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletics football podcasts on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual places, or listen ad free on The Athletic app. The Totally Scottish Football Show is a muddy news media production and sponsored by Paddy Power.
0: The Athletic.